In this episode, we're going to talk about security clearances, not just ones for the military, but for the government in general, kind of how they work, who does them, what the names are, what they really mean, understanding exactly what people do and don't have access to. For most of you, this will be pretty detailed, but for a lot of you that have an innate understanding of the subject, won't be that detailed. There's a lot of things that probably shouldn't be said, and there's terminology and things that have changed. Maybe they haven't. There's official and unofficial terms. We're going to take a look at security clearances. And this is good because of an upcoming show that I'm going to do, I really wasn't going to do, which will make sense when you hear it. So you can look out for that one where we're going to talk about the upcoming report that was, I believe, in the last stimulus bill where President Trump had Congress sign on the bill wanting intelligence agencies, Department of Defense, and other people to give a report on aerial threats from the ATIP program, basically talking about things like UFOs. I'm not going to really talk about whether or not I believe in them or whether or not they're real, but we're going to discuss in that show things you can look forward to. So that will be coming up soon. So security clearances, that's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. I often get asked about security clearances because they're so widely misunderstood. I've made no bones about what my experiences are and what levels I've worked at and for what reasons. And some people think I'm just automatically lying about that. And I did a lot cooler things than I did. But I try to be as upright as I can about that. A lot of times people think that because somebody holds a clearance or a top secret clearance or some sort of special compartmentalized thing or other stuff they've been run onto that they magically know everything and all kinds of craziness. And that's just not the case. And that's what we're going to talk about. Down in the show notes, you're going to find a link just got contacted recently uh, from a website and they wrote an article that we are in. Now this article is entitled the 20 best military security podcast for 2021. Now I don't think these are listed in any particular order, but we are number three on the list. And while it's not the main focus, we have talked about military security. So since we were given that one and I've been asked pretty regularly about things like security clearances, I thought when I do a security clearance show. So some things to know about it is Pretty much in our government, there are security clearances everywhere. Anything in government that has a clearance, including Congress, will be things in the executive branch. Most cabinet departments have a clearance process. Now, the vast majority of them follow and get investigated through OPM, the Office of Personal Management. So every time you see that on the news and they talk about personal data being taken, that could be personal data people submitted for security clearances. So when we look at the basic clearances before we get into other organizations, Don't think of them like a ladder, like they climb up. Some of them do, but a lot of them kind of go sideways. You know, for example, I often talk about a website called AboveTopSecret.com. It's fun to look at. Got some cool stuff, a lot of different things. There's even some things on there that were so accurate. We figured somebody had to be leaking secrets. But just for your own trivia, because this is mostly a trivia subject, I think, but There is no such thing as above top secret. There's just top secret. And then there's other places that have other clearances that may or may not have access to things. So the way it starts out, and this is pretty much how the military works in many of these other organizations, is the first real classification is called confidential. You don't hear about it much because there's no clearance process for it. There's just things identified as confidential information. There are things that you're not supposed to share or give out publicly without permission. So using the military as an example, military units have a thing called an alert roster. And on that roster, you've got kind of a, almost like a family tree chart broke down of your unit. So in a platoon, let's say the platoon has roughly 30 people and they have four squads. 
you know, and this is just general, all platoons are a little different. You'll have contact info for your platoon leader and your platoon sergeant. And then under that, you'll have your squad leaders for your four squads. And underneath the squad leaders will be everybody in their squad. And it will have at least phone numbers. And they call it an alert roster so that there is a pattern and things set in place when they have to call to give alerts, whether it's to recall them for formation, pass on information, recall them for duty, get them in there because they're going to deploy, whatever the reason is. And that's called an alert roster. So that's got your name, probably your duty position, your phone number to minimum. That's an example of confidential information. So that's something to look at. When you see things on the news like data breaches, when uh, Facebook had that thing a while back with Cambridge Analytica, everything that got leaked through there and the stuff that people tend to put on social media in a government sense would be considered confidential information. Now, are there people where they're what most people would have confidential be rated higher? Well, of course, if the president has a personal cell phone, which typically they're given cell phones, but let's say they have a personal cell phone that their friends and family can contact them on because of the president, that's not going to be confidential. That's going to be classified at a higher level because of who they are. But for the most part, that's confidential information. Now, if you share that information, can you get in trouble? Absolutely. There doesn't have to be a law written very specific for it. Just the fact that you're told not to do it is enough, whether it's the military or a civilian part of government. But that's confidential. The next level, of course, is secret that everybody's heard. The thing with secret is there is an application process for it. In general, it's fairly simple. It's paperwork. Typically doesn't require an interview. They do a very standard background check. And I'm not sure the timeline anymore of how people get that, how long it takes. When I was in the infantry before I got in the intel world, I went to Fort Lewis, now JBLM. And I was in the 2nd Striker Brigade, which is now called... They became something under the 25th. Now they're called the 2nd Striker Cavalry Regiment, and they were reassigned or relocated to Vilsack, Germany. When I was in that unit and we got to Strikers, one of the things I learned right away, I was one of the very few instructors for that vehicle, was how much stuff and radios and all these things were classified. And part of it was because we borrowed them from the Canadians, and they had their radio systems in there we couldn't access. So we actually had to get clearances if we didn't already have them just to go through that training course. And then... Everybody had to get clearances. I just assumed at the time it was because they had those Canadian radios in there. But once we started getting our own vehicles to train with, we still had to have those secret clearances. And most of the infantry doesn't even have that. Very few people, even at the time, would have top secret clearances in a company. Most of them would be secret, and most people didn't have to have them. And then the way they changed it, everybody had to have that secret clearance, which wasn't a huge deal. You just went and filled out this paperwork, and they cleared you for basic info. When you have a secret clearance or any clearance, it's because you're going to have placement, which means somewhere, somewhere how you're going to have proximity to information classified at that level, or you're going to have direct access to it as part of your job. That striker program was an example of both placement and access. You're not only near the vehicles, you have direct access to the radio systems and all the other stuff, weapons and things that were classified that you needed to have access to. There's a lot of jobs in the military and government that you have to have that clearance now, the thing about it is a lot of people don't realize this. When you go work for an agency, it doesn't have to be an intelligence agency. It could be any part of government. A lot of them have clearances, whether they realize it or not. Part of their application and interview process and going through involves getting a clearance. It's true with a lot of federal law enforcement. It involves getting a secret or a top secret clearance. Now, the top secret one's usually a little bit more obvious because most of the time it's going to be managed by OPM, and they have to do an investigation. This can take weeks 
I remember 10, 12 years ago, they tried to get it down to a 30 day process. And then so many people had to get them. It got lengthier, but you would do more paperwork. So you had to have at a minimum, a 10 year history. And sometimes you had to have longer, but typically it was a 10 year history and it would get very detailed. Like you'd have to know middle initials of every point of contact on there. And if they didn't have it, you'd put NMI for no middle initial. And a lot of times we would do that just to try to get away with it if we couldn't contact them. But sometimes they'd kick it back. You'd have to have at least the contact info the last place you knew them. You had so many references. They would do credit checks. And all your stuff had to be on par. Like it didn't have to be to the day, but it had to be to the month. And you need to match all your other records. And then what would happen is an investigator would come down and do an interview with you. And what a lot of people don't realize is OPM investigators have badges. Um, part of them are a form of law enforcement that have silver or gold badges. If I remember correctly, the gold badge guys actually had arrest authority. They could arrest you on the spot. Not that they would do that, but you'd be surprised how many people would admit to committing crimes, whether they knew it or not, that could get in trouble for it. And it was funny because the first time I did the interview, I remember they would ask, they had a lot of series of questions and some of them tailed to the job, but they were asking me something about, have you ever knowingly provided classified information to the enemy or, or something along those lines. Whatever it was, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And the guy was just totally shocked. He's like, what? I go, yeah. And he's like, well, give me the details of that situation. So I gave it to him. And it was when I was interrogating and things we were cleared to do that we did interrogations and with sources. And he's like, okay, okay, I get it. Then he go on to another question kind of along the same lines. Like, well, yeah. So about the fourth time, it took him a while, about the fourth time, he goes, okay, I'm going to start adding on to these questions. He goes, other than in the performance of your duties, have you ever... And I'd be like, no. And I wasn't trying to be funny or a jerk about it. I was just trying to be honest because I thought that was how it was supposed to go. And then part of the top secret clearance too is they could interview family members or associates, depending on the job, all kinds of things. So those, those are your three basic ones in, in most of the places. And then you have what they call SCI, special compartmentalized information. So those are a lot of times called like special access programs. They're not exactly the same thing. There's all kinds of acronyms and sayings out there. But this is where when you see in the movies or TV shows, people say, well, I'm going to read you in or you're going to get read on. It's a term that means you're going to be given access, permanent or temporary, in most cases temporary, to some information because you're going to have placement or access to it. So in the top secret world in the military, a lot of times when you hit just a certain rank or you work in a certain field and get top secret, there's certain SCI and programs you'll get read onto. And depending on what they are, changes how long it takes. All the time in the movies and TVs, we see guys, well, I'm going to read you onto this. It's like magically you're cleared. Here, read this document, blah, 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 blah. While that can happen, that's typically not how it works. You go to a secure facility, you sign paperwork. In some cases, you watch videos for older stuff that's not that significant. In other cases, you go through briefings. Some of them you go through entire training programs you just don't realize and necessarily that's what's happening. So I had, yeah, I had SCI clearance on several things. It just kind of came with the job. One of the things I talked to in the past before too is one of the times I got read on, I had to go back for some reason. I don't remember if I was told to come back or I got a call, but I went back and to get read on, and I was actually there for two or three hours getting read on to some nuclear programs. A lot of detailed stuff for the military and Department of Energy. And I was professional, did what I needed to do, asked questions, went through the whole program, or was on my way through the whole program. Not 
entirely understanding why I needed it. Like I understood things that had to do with certain types of what we call ISR capabilities, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, platforms that we would use, things with computers, general subjects like this, I'm sure you can imagine. But the nuclear stuff kind of threw me for a loop because it's like, this has nothing to do with my job. There's no way everybody in my rank, let alone more than probably 10 or 15 people in this installation, have access to this. I don't know what's happening, but I went with it because I figured maybe this is normal. just didn't seem normal. And I learned quite a bit of information. In the middle of that, it got interrupted and was like, oops, you're not, <laughs> you're not the droid we're looking for. I wasn't supposed to be there. It was a total accident. And they immediately had to read me off, which took just as almost just as long. I had to go through the stuff. You can't ever talk about this. I still actually have somewhere the document that I had to sign the second time when I left the military to get rid right off that program. So that's a rare situation, but it can't happen. So there are some general, I call them writers, but SCI, and they, they come with different letters and number systems that people of certain ranks across the military would get. The farther up you get or type of assignments you get, you could be right into other programs. So when you watch documentaries on things like UFOs or military intelligence, people talk about SCI or compartmentalized information or special access programs. It's kind of what that is. So those are kind of the offshoot sideways things. Now those can be temporary and permanent. There's some people, especially higher level command positions that are generally read onto that stuff and it can pretty much stay with them, but that's way up there. Other people get read on and off. There's plenty of people that throughout their entire career stay involved with the program, but if they're in the military and let's say they, they PCS, permanent change of station, they leave fort whatever, air base whatever, they take two weeks of leave and they're reassigned somewhere. Before they go on leave, they'll get read off. Just as a reminder, really, I think, to say, don't talk about this one year and leave. They'll go to their new installation, part of in processing, they'll get read back on. That's kind of how that works. Now, the other thing about clearances is when you get into agencies, intel or otherwise, a lot of them have their own clearance processes. Some of them are conducted internally by those organizations. Some of them are coordinated through OPM or other agencies. I don't believe any of them are done with the assistance of private organizations outside the government. I could be wrong on that. It's just in my experience. I never saw it. So when you take big obvious ones like CIA and NSA, they have their own clearance system. They have their own way that it works. They have their own background stuff they do primarily. But those are examples of places where you go in, let's say you go and you work for an agency like that. Whether you realize it or not, you're going through background checks, you're doing interviews, you're trying to get hired, you're going to get this cool guy job or maybe not a cool guy job, and you get some sort of clearance level, whatever they rate it as, which I know what a lot of them are, but they're not things you really talk about, that give you access to whatever information in accordance with your duties and your job. But what a lot of people don't realize, or they don't realize till later, is that part of the stuff you're doing also crosses over with OPM to make sure that you get the necessary clearances that would fall under the Department of Defense, mainly because most intelligence agencies belong to the Department of Defense. So the reason they do that is somebody's working at NSA, doing whatever job, and then they are going to go work with, say, another organization. Maybe they're going to go, maybe they're not a military member in NSA, maybe they're a civilian. They're going to go work with DOD, or they're going to go work with a law enforcement agency. Well, they've already got, because it's They've also done this OPM check. They don't realize it. Hey, just so you're aware, you also have a top secret with X, Y, and Z. It makes it more seamless for them to go over and work with those agencies. The other thing too is as much as the organizations are supposed to work together and things are seamless because they have different background checks, different security clearance things for 
very good reasons. When they share stuff, it's to ensure you can have access to it. So one of the things we used to talk about in the military all the time is intelligence agencies would come to military intelligence. They always had access to our stuff, at least on our computer systems. They could get in and see whatever we wanted. They were cleared for that. Now, even if they had some of the same stuff we did, we'd have to request it. We couldn't just go look at it because we didn't have their clearances. And those systems had a lot more stuff on there than what we were looking for. So as fun as it might be, we couldn't get access to them. And that made sense. And a lot of people don't don't like that, and I get it, but it, it makes sense. The other thing is you look at places like the executive branch, specifically in the White House and the people that work directly with the president. They have their own clearance processes. There's nicknames for what those clearances are. They have different levels of clearances. There's military assets that work directly on the property or in the White House. I knew a guy that was low level. He was a specialist, became a sergeant. He was a commo guy, really good with radios, a very specific field. He also did computer stuff. And he was able to get a position in the White House during the President Obama administration. And he worked on computers in the staff offices, including the president's. So when the president's laptop wasn't working, he was the guy. It was a military guy that came in and did it. So he was in a role where his specific field, not just a regular combo guy, he already had a top secret clearance. He had to go through all kinds of background checks, application processes, because working in the White House is one of the most difficult positions to get got in there, had to get their clearance systems and then all their security procedures and whatever they do. And then he ended up being a guy who got to meet the president and other people and be around him on occasion because he got to go in and do that stuff. So they all have different, different reasons, different clearances. You know, just because a person has a clearance, like say top secret, doesn't mean they get to just see all top secret information. It needs to be appropriate to your job. There's all kinds of rules about what you have access to and why you have it. So just because you're qualified to, say, read something or see something at a certain level doesn't make it appropriate. You need to have what's called a need to know. And need to know isn't some buzzword term. It's defined. It's very clearly defined. And there's people to determine whether or not you have a need to know. Funny enough, one of the things that they tend to get more accurate in movies and TV shows is when somebody's like, well, well, I have a top secret clearance. And somebody's like, yeah, you're not cleared to know that. And they're like, well, yes, I am. I have top secret. Just because you have top secret means you're qualified. doesn't make you're cleared to know it. Or they say, well, you don't have a need to know. And then it's always like in the action movies, well, I do need to know and you need to tell me right now. That doesn't work that way. That kind of thing doesn't really happen. It's fun in movies, but that's not realistic. So it's just kind of understanding how those different things works. One of the other things, too, is kind of interesting. I imagine this phrase was used in the past. In my experience, nobody ever uses it. We've kind of used it in training to explain things like OPSEC, operational security, usually evolves around information should be talked about based on how it's being done. You know, two people that are cleared and know they're both cleared for a top secret subject can have that conversation. But even though they can have it, it's how are you having it? Where are you? Are you in an appropriate facility? So, Let's say you're on a secure phone line, but it's at the level of secret and you're both talking top secret, you're breaking the rules and you can't do that because other people could have access to that, whether they're supposed to or not. So the term you always hear is, I can neither confirm nor deny that information. I don't know that anybody ever says that, but that is a real, a real idea. And I even remember, I've never said that, but I remember on YouTube years ago, I know exactly who it was I was talking to who was on the show with me. He asked me about something. 
And I didn't say confirm or deny, but I was like, that's not something I can talk about. I usually say it like that. It's not something I can talk about because I know that it's classified or I know it falls under agreements about things I can never talk about. And the guy's response was like, no, I get what you're saying. Like he was taking it like, because I said I couldn't talk about it, that I was confirming or generally confirming what he's saying, which wasn't the case at all. I wasn't confirming it. In my experience, stuff I've seen with people talking about things, including myself, is that whenever they try to explain that to people, the vast majority of the time it would actually be a denial or mostly a denial. But people misunderstand that term. They act like because they say it, it's treated this way in movies. Because they say it can't confirm or deny that it's treated like it's automatically true. And that's not the case. It's understanding how classified information works, why it's classified and compartmentalized. So let's say, because you got to remember, Intel is about answering questions, questions people have. So to keep it simple, you need to know, for intelligence value, you need to know the color of a car that somebody drives, which theoretically could be realistic. You need to know the color. Now, you've had a report that it might be blue. So you've got a guy you're talking to, and let's say it's a person that knows you can't know that for whatever reason, we'll just say. Like, let's say you're a reporter asking this question, and the person you're talking to knows that information is classified. And then you say, well, I've heard the car is blue. Is the car blue? And they say, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Now, they would never really say that. It's very rare that that term's used. I think some really high up Intel guys have used them in interviews, but typically don't hear that because people that have these conversations tend to understand what people are saying. So you can neither confirm nor deny it. Now, that doesn't confirm it. You're not doing either. Here's why. It's a protected piece of information in this example. It's always protected when people do this. If you confirm the car's blue and you're not supposed to do that because that person's not clear, you just gave up intel, which you're not supposed to do. If you deny the car's blue, which isn't mean you're lying, that's actually a confirmation. It's called a ne- it's a negative response where it's like, no, it's not. You're also providing intel. Even though the classified information is that it's blue, you're still providing intel. And the reason why you're providing it is you've taken away one possibility and got them that much closer. That's what confirm or deny means. So confirm is an affirmative. You're completely correct. The denial is a negative. That's not correct. But here's the thing. When you deny it, when you give a negative, you're allowing them to get one step closer. You're taking one possibility out of the question. You're actually assisting them to getting closer to the answer. That's why that whole phrase exists. That's what that really means. So I hope that kind of explains it to understand the process of confirm or deny that it's not just some silly phrase and it's not used the way you see it in movies. It's not like that at all. Because in the movies, I think almost 100% of the time I've seen it, what they're really doing is I can't confirm or deny that, but the way they tell it in the stories is though that statement means they're confirming it. And I think that's why people believe that. Another thing to understand about clearances is just because you have that clearance, you don't have access to everything. People think that a job title dictates how much stuff you have access to, and that's not the case. I know plenty of people that have clearance and access to information no president ever would. The president doesn't have access to everything, and that's true for everybody at all levels. Just because somebody is a secretary of whatever or a senior military officer, no matter what their opinion is on the subject, they don't have access to everything. They might have clearances and be qualified to potentially have access to information, but their duty position or their role doesn't make it so that they can have access to it. It's just not allowed. 
there's plenty of things and it's come out more recently. And I think the last probably six or eight years about people or even presidents or people working in the white house talking about how they were essentially told there's information they're not going to be told. President Trump even came out and kind of suggested that a few times, but he's not the only one. President Obama's done it too. I probably should have looked for clips for that to use as an example. But just because you hold a duty position or an elected position doesn't automatically mean you have access to everything. That's different than saying what your position or office allows you to legally do, but that's not how it works. You just don't get to know these things. The reason I mention that is you can watch documentaries or we got this upcoming Intel report I'm going to do a show on where people already think they know what's going to be said or because somebody doesn't do what they want that they must be lying or people that have watched zero days on the Stuckneck virus are like, well, these guys are lying. Well, no, they're typically not lying. They're giving very calculated answers and even sometimes saying, I can't talk about that for good reason, just to shut it down because they can't. Because those guys they interview on there, especially the Americans that are former directors and subdirectors of CIA and other agencies, have signed secrecy agreements. So they're not things they can talk about. So it's just to understand that that's kind of how it works. And I'll get a little bit more into that when we do that other show. So I hope this answers a question for those of you that want to understand security clearances. Just know that the higher the clearance, the longer it takes to get it. Remember that just because somebody tells you they've had a clearance doesn't mean they have. They should be able to prove it. They actually could prove it, especially if they're in the military. Whether or not they can prove it's irrelevant because they don't have current information if they're not currently involved with those programs, especially if they're read off, doesn't mean that just because they hold a certain clearance that they know things you want them to magically know because if it had nothing to do with their role in their position, they wouldn't have access to it. Never even would have seen it. Even just the top secret level, even without the special access programs and SCI read-ons, there's so much information out there. No one person could ever consume it all. And you'd have to know where it is to get it. So that's it in a nutshell. At least clearances, kind of how they work, what you have access to. And there's a lot more information to this, especially when it comes to transporting information and communicating information to people on how to declassify things or what classifies what at a different level. I've talked about this before, just as an example, when we did Intel reports, depending on your report, you could have all kinds of unclassified information in there, which is very common. All it takes is one line being secret, some form of secret, because there's additions to just being secret, just like there is the top secret. And if it's on that document, the whole document becomes classified at that highest level. And there's other things that go into that. So that's it in a nutshell. For those of you that are interested, hopefully that helps you out, but that's security clearances. If you've got questions about that, Definitely go down in the show notes. You can see my email and send them to me or send them to me on social media. And we'll be back here again for you shortly right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.